Elaine just said, we got them ready for you. Go preach. <laughs> um, like always, I'm nervous. I'm afraid. I wanted to go to Harlem this morning. <laughs> um, but he just, he's so worthy. Um, you just got to show up sometimes. All right. Um, good morning. Welcome, family. Welcome, friends. Um, again, this is the Bronx Single-Led Sunday Service. For those of you who don't know, my name is Kimani Wood. If you didn't catch my name earlier, that means you were late for church. Uh, um, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't mean to be a troublemaker. It just happens. <laughs> I wanted just to start off by just saying thank you to the congregation, especially to the singles in my ministry. You guys have been a great support not just to the ministry, but to me. Um, my cornea transplant was in April. Um, it's been successful. All right. So, I have one good working eye. Um, next year we go work on the other one. You know, you know I was blind and now I can see. You know, um, I was debating my thanks in like how detailed I wanted to be, but the Bible says to do good to those, especially in the family of believers. Um, so I'm gonna use this time. I just wanna say thank you to Andrea Wilson, Patricia Rodriguez, Hector Alvarez, the Spencer family, um, my best friend Rachel, um, gosh, Stephanie, my roommate Christian, um, and Evelyn Benitez. You guys, really held me down when I couldn't see and just took care of my life. You know, I didn't, I always ate. I always made it to church. My clothes was always clean. And I looked good too. I had like haircuts. Evelyn was like, I gotta take you to the barber, bro. You can't be looking like that. Um, and it really made God's love for me like something tangible that I can see, but that my family can see. So I just wanted to take a moment just to say thank you to the singles. You know. No, my sight is still recovering, so bear with me. There'll be some pauses if I need to just adjust my screen. Um, if someone looks impatient, just tap them on the shoulder and tell them to wait. I would appreciate that. So this morning's message is titled, Talk About It, Don't Be Afraid to Fight. Um, I'm no experienced preacher, but I do know how to tell a good story. Um, so I wanted to share a story about a recent chapter in my life, and then we're going to just take a look at it and see what I learned and what I'm still learning. Um, I do know how to start a fight. I'm good at that. I know how to lose a fight, how to win a fight sometimes. I'm really good at running away from a fight. That's my specialty. Um, what I didn't know how to do and what I'm learning how to do this year, well, what I'm learning is how dangerous it is to remain silent and not to fight at all. Um, so my story takes place in, it starts in August 2018. Um, I have keratoconus, it's an eye disease. And back in August, it kind of advanced severely. Um, I was diagnosed as legally blind. I couldn't, I couldn't see. Everything was a blur, and I tried my 
best to keep it private. Secret would be the best word. I just wanted to keep it a secret. Um, it took me three months to tell my family. I was literally walking around, coming to church, pretending that I could see. My anxiety had uh, massive me. I lived in fear of what people thought and how people saw me. I just kept making up stories in my head over and over. Um, I was convinced that the singles in my ministry and Maurice wanted me like to just step down. Like, who wants a leader that's visually impaired who can't even read a text message and get back to you? Um, when I would walk into the congregation, I just felt like people were looking at me. People were talking about me. Um, I thought people wanted to just sit me down in the front and just say, you know, shut up. Um, that's just how I was feeling. That's how I saw myself because that's what was happening in my head. You know, I was in an invisible fight with invisible people who did invisible things that never even happened. Um, have you ever had like a whole fight in your head? You come out the fight and you like, you tired, you mad, and you somehow you got sweat on your forehead. And you didn't even have a fight. That just lets you know like the spiritual battle is so real. You fighting. Um, but I was fighting the, the wrong people. <laughs> I was fighting anything that moved. <laughs> you know. Thank you. This is the time where you tap that person on their shoulder. And you tell them to wait. Mm. I'm, I'm definitely not the... I think sometimes people see me, they go, oh, he looks confident. I'm just afraid of God, so I don't get to say no as much as I would like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so during this time, you know, when, it, when everything happened, I, I lost my job. I had to step down. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I couldn't fake it at work. That's one of the places you can't fake the fact that you can't read anymore. I couldn't read anymore. So I couldn't fake it there. So I stepped down, I went home, and I did what any strong Christian would do, and I cried out to the Lord. That's not what happened. <laughs> I went home, I laid down in my bed, and I woke up. I got up three weeks later. Mm, I, yeah, I wasn't here. <laughs> I was just laying down, I couldn't get up. I just couldn't get up. My roommate would come in the room, check my pulse, pour some food in my mouth, encourage bathing as a common American practice. Um, he made some threats here and there. I'm a, mm -mm. You know, the one threat that was really good was he was like, I'm gonna have to call a Towalawi on you. I eventually got up. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> but um, I, I eventually got up, but I was still pretending to be fine and okay and at peace. But I wasn't saying nothing to God. My prayers were, good morning, good night, 
Thank you for this food in Jesus' name, amen. That was it. Everything else looked really fine. I could bow my head for in a circle, but I had, it wasn't that I wasn't speaking to him. I literally didn't have anything to say. I was speechless. But stuff was happening here. I was fighting. I was just fighting the wrong battle. Again, the title of this message is Talk About It. Don't be afraid to fight. I want to share with you one of the, the lessons I learned. Just bear with me. We're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 4. Trust me when I say I'm not rushing. (laughs) Genesis chapter 4, we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 10. I'm reading the NIV version. And I'm very happy to be reading today. Mm -hmm. Um, Adam made love to his wife. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to the brother Abel. Now, Abel kept the flock, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as his offering to the Lord. And to Abel, and Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But but if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Amen. I'm just so happy to read. (laughs) That was my first time reading in public. Can God get another amen, please? Cain didn't really have a problem with his brother. Cain had a heart issue that was between him and God. But Cain didn't want to talk about it. You know, God approached Cain and told him, your offering is lacking. He also reminded him, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. And for me, in that chapter in my life, and for some of us, Sometimes there's something lacking in our offering. Mm-hmm. But God is also reminding us too that if you just do what is right, you will be accepted. What did Cain say? Nothing. But you better believe Cain had a lot of thoughts going through his head. You know, and for us, God is talking. He's reminding us, do what is right. You will be accepted. I'm not happy that is lacking, and we have nothing to say, you know. So if someone taps us on the shoulder, I can see you Sunday. We got a lot to say. You, you don't really talk to me like that anyway. I gotta let you know when I'm not coming to church now? 
I'm sorry. Those are probably just some of the things that I hear. <laughs> um. <laughs> but we have nothing to say to God. You know, Cain took his brother out in the field and killed him. And I think if Cain would have stayed in that conversation with God, his brother would have lived. Because he had a fight inside of him. He had a quarrel inside of him. But he took it to another person and not the Lord. You know, when I was in my humble circumstance, that's what it was. I was just humbled. Everything about my life had changed. I was limited to that of a child. I felt like my identity was broken. I was humbled. But because of my pride, it made the opportunity to be humble turn into humiliation. I was humiliated. I, had, I actually have the walking stick and everything. You ain't never see it. I couldn't do it. I was, I was so embarrassed. It was like, the world will know that I am weak, that I am broken, that you can take advantage of me. Look at him. You can take advantage of him. And I was like, I'm big and I'm black, but if I pick up this stick... Anyone can take advantage of me, and they will know it. And that's just how I was living. I'd just be like, walk slow. Look down. Watch your step. Uh, wait for the other people to cross the street. No one's crossing the street? Then pretend like you're on your phone. You're not going anywhere. Cause I, I, I can only see white light. So I couldn't see, like, the orange man. I was like, <laughs> got to wait. Um, but that was my life, just pretending, because I did not want to be humble. I didn't want to say, where's that stick? I didn't want to say, I can't see. Like, I really can't see. I can't even read. Like, I couldn't say it. But I'll fight with a person in a heartbeat. Someone make a suggestion. I don't need that. I don't need that. No, no, I got it. You want me to read that to you, though? I'll read it later. <laughs> They're so nosy. They always in my business. <laughs> We'd be walking, and a sister would like grab my arm across the street, and I'd be cool with that. But we was at the Times Square Center, and Maurice Hooks took my arm to walk me down. I was like, everybody knows. Everybody, they're going to be like, why does that grown man need another grown man to hold his arm and walk him? I was humiliated. Mind you, the floor was white at the time center, so the light cascaded off of it. I couldn't see any steps. I just knew it was steps. I couldn't see one step. I would have fell. So I was like, you could just stand in the back. He helped me, but he had a seat for me, so he was already thinking about me. But I couldn't see any of that. All I saw was, you embarrassed me. Not, you reserved a seat for me. You was looking for me for when I got there. You saw me and you helped me. I couldn't see it. I was ready to fight. Sorry, Maurice, I never told you. <laughs> and really, that was my, the first thing that I was learning was how dangerous it is to be quiet. 
how dangerous it is not to say nothing. Because you're going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time. It's going to come out. You know, Marcos Mercados, he was a former evangelist here, he taught this lesson like over a decade ago, and I still remember it to this day. I carry it with me. Um, he asked a question, when you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Why? So most people say because you squeeze it. But if the orange was us and could be self-reflective, the orange would say, because that's what's inside of me. You know, when your humble circumstance is squeezing you, whatever comes out, it's not because you're being squeezed. It's because that's what's inside of you. That's it. A lot of us are being squeezed. Things are coming out of us. And we're more concerned with who's squeezing and who God sent to squeeze and who should be squeezing. And not concerned with what's coming out of you. You know. I wanna I wanted to clarify something for the church but also just for the single ministry. Dahima is co leading the ministry with me. She's my co leader. Um what you saw was the tip team. We, we work together. But I lead the singles, and the Hema will be leading with me. Um, I say that because I've been in just a couple of conversations, and I know it's just like, who is the Hema? Where she came from? Didn't she just get here? And when I hear those type of things, it lets me know you're being squeezed but you don't know what's coming out. No. Talk to God. Don't be afraid to fight because you're going to come and you're going to make a mess. All right? Now, God is trying to squeeze it out so you can be purified and cleansed. But if you don't let him, it drips everywhere else. Right? Don't let it drip here in his house because you're going to have to clean it up. All right? So... I don't want to start any problems. I just want things to be clear. <laughs> but if you, have, if you have questions about the singles ministry, you can come to me. Cain right. showed us what not to do. Let's look at, take a look at a woman who will show us what to do. Um, Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. And I'm going to go ahead and take my time to get there. Matthew 15, verses 21. This woman was in a very challenging conversation. Probably one of the most challenging conversations I've ever read in the Bible. When I, when I get to heaven, I definitely would like to sit down with her. Um, it starts, leaving, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to a region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, 
son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request, your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You know, you know Cain was confronted by God. He told him, something's lacking. The woman sought out Jesus. She said, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter's sick. And Jesus said, he said nothing. And I think for most of us, that's where the whole story would have ended. I prayed, I cried out to the Lord, and he ain't say nothing, so he don't answer prayers, or he ain't answer this prayer. But she ain't stopped there. It says that she knelt down at his feet, and she said, Lord, help me. And I envision her at this man's feet after he ignored her. You know he heard her. He heard her. She still said, Lord, help me at his feet. I don't think it was because she had so much to lose because she was already losing. It was because she had so much to gain. And she had to see it that way. You know, Cain had a lot to gain too. But Cain just saw him losing and saw competition and his brother embarrassing him. He could have worked it out with God. God would have told him, Cain, you know, some of them fruits are in your house. You know, the best you kept. He'd have had a conversation with him. They'd have been able to work it out. He'd have saw like, can I I go get them now? Cain would have even had an opportunity to remember, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? God would have gave him a chance right then and there if he'd have talked about it. Cain could have went and got them good fruits took him right off his table and be like, thank you for letting me know, Lord. This is, I wasn't thinking. But no, he had nothing to say. This woman had a lot to say. She was in a fight. She was in a tough conversation. And she didn't give up. I don't know what I would do at this point when God, and he compares her to that of a dog. You know, I think the disciples would have had to carry some of us away. Some of us would have got thrown out. Dog, I'm a mother. I would have got thrown out. I would have got thrown out. (laughs) No. The scripture says that Jesus granted her request and told her she had great faith. 
She used faith and humility, and she got her request granted. And I kept looking at the scripture, and I can see how it is that she has great faith because she believed in what Jesus could do. That's why she went there. That's why she was begging. That's why she was shouting. That's why she was on her knees. She was like, I know he can do it. I'm going to make sure it gets done. That is her faith. But it was great. So I was like, what made it great, not good? What made it great, not, okay, faith. And I thought about it. And I want to share this with you. It was really powerful for me. Jesus implied that she's a dog, and she said, yes. Mm. Did you get it? She not only believed what Jesus can do, she believed in anything he said. If Jesus said, you're a liar, you're corrupt, you don't listen to me, the only thing that's for you to say is yes. And for some of us, the conversation can't get that far. One, you can't make it past the first step. You don't want to cry out to the Lord. Two, you don't want to get on your knees and you don't want to beg. You think too high of yourself. That's what I was doing. I had nothing to say to God. Kick that stick under that bed. I had nothing to say. You're not going to catch me on my knees. I'm just going to keep trying to make it look like I got this. I know I'm not the only one. Just trying to look apart. Like, I'm okay, like Elvin said, looking churchy. I like that, Elvin, looking churchy. I was looking churchy. I was miserable looking churchy. He said, you're like a dog. And she said, yes. Can I get the crumbs? Can you do it? Can you say it? Can you act? Can you believe that when your Lord says, this is what you're lacking, it's what you're lacking? For me, it's like, if God says, come on, you're lacking here, then I'm more like, but how's my contribution? <laughs> Trying to control a conversation. I start talking to people about something else. You know, this is what I've been doing. And this is what such and such ain't been doing. Because our brains are just like that. You know. Remain in the conversation with God. Use your faith. Know that he can answer you. Use your faith. Believe whatever it is he says. My second point. My third point and my last point. I want to talk about accepting God's answer. The hard part for me. I'm still learning to accept God's answer. That's the chapter I'm in right now. I'm like, you said it, so I guess I gotta <laughs> believe. So Second Corinthians. Chapter 12, verses 
I made it. <laughs> you know, my conversation with, with God went a little bit like this. As he was working on me, um, I was trying to let him know things that he already knew. I just thought he needed to know. <laughs> I was telling him, you know, this is interesting. What God asks of you doesn't change because of your condition or your circumstance. I didn't know that. I thought that I would get kind of like some pardons and some passes because I was sad um, and I couldn't see. And I was like, you know, I can't see, so I'm going to be sad and some things are just not going to get done and we should be cool. Well, that makes, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, but he kept asking for the same things. And I was like, I can't serve the same way. And he was like, oh, you will serve the same way. And I was, I kept feeling like, you're going to kill me. And he's like, I am. <laughs> Got to make something new. Um, let's read the scripture. We're talking about accepting God's answer. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Like the woman of great faith, whatever he says is true. So it's true. It just didn't match what I was feeling. I was trying to tell God that I'm broken. I'm, I'm less than what I used to be. Therefore, I am no longer capable of what we have previously decided. Um. <laughs> the vision in which we were discussing um, has become nullified. Dear Lord. Oh. I was always very polite. <laughs> But without my sight, it just made me so empty and so low that there were points where I knew even my brothers and sisters couldn't see me, couldn't see my pain, but he was looking right at me. And I was like, oh my God, he's still looking right at me. <laughs> and he was still talking to me with such a confidence and a gentleness like I could see. <laughs> I'm like, what? And it, it helped me to believe because of God's sight, not mine. He just kept a sight. He was like, this is what we're going to do. This is how I see you. This is what we're going to create. This is your next week. You're preaching at the single led service. I'm like, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I need to step down. I'm going to get fired. 
from a volunteer job. <laughs> no. Even this week, it's been, my friends can tell you, like, yeah, we, we, they were fighting with me. I was, and I kept telling myself, remember the lesson you're learning. Don't be silent. Talk about it. But you got to talk to God, because you're going to fight these people up in here. Like, work it out with God. So, I've been praying like I've never been praying before. I've been able to talk to him about secrets that I didn't even know were inside of me. Like, you ever had to go so deep, things are being revealed about you to you? Because I had no job and nowhere to go but to look out the window, me and God's been able to talk so much. I have never, I never felt that God was always watching me, and not in a scary way, like, I'm always watching you, but like, I'm actually never alone like I'm just I'm just not alone so even when I was walking and I couldn't see when I couldn't cross that street like he was standing with me like that person that came and I followed that was him too you know every crack I made it over that was him you know every time someone said get a haircut get get a metro card I'm gonna drive you to church this week that was him looking. Right. There's so many things that can be taken from me. I had no idea that I could lose my eyesight. I just get up every day. I just live my life. I'm like, don't get hit by a car. If you see an argument, walk the other way. I'm fine. But when this happened, I was like... This is not for me. This is for the people, the other people. <laughs> Just somebody else, not me. But I couldn't even talk to God about it then. I had to like, he had to just sit me. And what I think what he really needed to help me understand is that I had an identity issue. And it was, I built myself up on what I can do and what I had. But it wasn't what he can do and it wasn't what he gives me. It was like, I got this, you know. I am the master's tool. You are the master's tool. Can you say that to yourself? No, you are the master's tool. When I woke up this morning, I was like, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be preaching. I'm still struggling through this very lesson that I'm trying to teach and preach. I'm working it out myself. You're going to stand before God's people and preach it to them? You're still fighting to live it. And I just kept thinking, but I am the master's tool. I have a master. I do what I'm told. And it hurts, don't it? Elvin said it earlier that when he touched that door, he felt that knife going in a twist. When he realized he just wasn't in step with what God wanted. A lot of us are trying to take our Jesus Lord and put him in the toolbox. Imagine, like, imagine how rude that is. Your Lord done came off the cross for you, and now you're trying to shove him in the toolbox 
so you can be the master. No, we are the masters to accept his answer. This type of answer, my grace is sufficient, has been unacceptable my whole discipleship. I cannot lie. It's one of the scriptures that I'm just like, that's not an answer. That prayer was not answered. <laughs> that person was ignored. It is an answer. It's not yes, it's not no. God is saying, me. I am the answer. And it's the answer that most of us have the hardest time accepting. God is the answer. But it's actually the answer to all your requests. But we look at it in our little minds as, yes, no, am I going to get this, am I going to get that? The answer to every question you will always have is, God is enough. When you, when you make a request, when you ask a question, you should always ask yourself, before I ask this question, before I make this request, is God enough? And if the answer is no, you need to have a conversation with the Lord. Um, I'm still in my conversation with the Lord. I'm going to keep working it out. Um, I suggest you do the same thing. <laughs> um, don't just let this be a nice, sunny Sunday, 85 degrees. Walk out the building, go to your many le- meetings, cook your food, get the kids ready for tomorrow. What was a good message. I, I think I did a good job. The things that Gio shared, the things that Elvin shared, the singers inspired us and got us ready, got our hearts off. This is school. You're in a lesson. You're in class. Learn. I'm just going to go over the points again. Point number one, it's dangerous to remain silent. Point number two, Faith and humility is needed to stay in the conversation. You gotta stay humble, you gotta use your faith, you gotta stay in that conversation with him. It's gonna hurt. And the last point, accept God's answer. When you are weak, he is strong. So, be strong.